This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Day two in the MagnaFlow booth. This is once again the Hooniverse podcast. And today we've got, uh, once again, my trusty co-host for the week, Jason Connor. Hey, I'm here everywhere. And we've got our sometimes co-host, Jonathan Klein. What's and up? And, of course, today we're joined by Mr. John Hotchkiss. How the hell are you doing? It's been a couple of years. Oh, it has, and I'm doing great. And, and you know, you look out uh, at SEMA, it's just mind-blowing, this place. Yeah. Uh, these guys, this is their first time... We are SEMA virgins this yes. time, so this has been a, uh, an interesting experience because we came into this hall, and I was like, w- w- wow, the first one, and then, oh, oh, here's the big one, well, we were and in this, this is one of many. Yeah, well, we were in the back half first where, you know, Banks is and everybody over there, and then we rolled through the door, and he's like, there's another half to this? <laughs> it's like, it's a, insane. A couple of statistics. It's over a million square feet of display, and uh, they say up to 160,000 people who attend the show. Yeah. More buyers and more exhibitors and more action than we've had at SEMA ever. It's complete record-breaking year. I, I do believe this is easily the largest trade show in Vegas now. I think it's because CES used to be right about there. And the hilarious thing with CES is they used to hold it at exactly the same time as the Adult Entertainment Expo. So you've got a weird mix of crowds. <laughs> well, we can't wait to hear the numbers. But, uh, I mean, just getting down here from where our booth was, it took... 15 minutes. It was so crowded. That one guy said, hey, we need to make one one aisle one way, the one aisle the other, and maybe we get some crowd control. But, hey, it's so great for our industry because yeah. people are into these cars. You know what we need? We need a zip line that runs the length of the building. That would be That's cool. That's a VIP yeah. zip line where when we've got interviews and things that we got to do and you've got to be places, we can just hook up to it. I just get all my photos. I'll be like a spy plane flying around this place. It'd be awesome. <laughs> You'd finally get some photos without people in them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Any reveal that's here, I just wait till afterwards because I can't take photos of a reveal because nothing's going to get – you're just going to get a bunch of people's heads. That's it. Heads, yeah. hands, butts. Things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Body parts, not cars. I don't know what yeah. we're talking about. So – so first we'll hit on we'll hit on the stuff that you guys are bringing here, and then we'll hit the other thing because you're probably tired of talking about the same damn thing over and over. So, you know, I know you're here to do promotion, but we're going to hit the important stuff for the promotion, and then hey, we'll absolutely. Then we'll hey, we'll talk whatever we yeah. want to talk about because I mean this this is so invigorating to be with all the incredible cars and trucks and and just people because this is what we always talk about our industry. You know, this is not a People don't really need this stuff. I mean, they kind of do. You know, it's good for their soul. Yeah. But to live day to day, you know, you don't really need all these great wheels and tires and exhaust system and suspension. But, hey, everybody wants I it. I think the only I mean, ones that's an actual need around here are the guys with brake pads and tires. That's about the only necessity. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? The consumables are needed, yeah. yes. Or yeah. if you live in a salt, or if you live, you know, in the uh, salty states... An exhaust system with the fine folks at MagaFlow here. So shameless yeah. plug worked that, in there. That's but. good. Hey, what do you guys think of the Ford GT hanging on the wall with those flying buttress design? And- I, I this is I, I, was, I had the good fortune of being up close to it several months ago uh, because we do some stuff with the Forza Motorsport guys, and you know that was up at Corolla's place in, in Glendale there, and they had the GT, and I kind of got to look for it there, and there's some weirdness about the proportions of it that I kind of like the previous one better. See, I, I, I'm opposite. I think it's. I love buttresses. Anything with buttresses, awesome. It just it's, it's got 
it, it just it seems more just so much more race car than the last one did in, in the road version. Now the race car that was over there, I had a little bit of a crisis when I was looking at that thing. That thing was excellent. <laughs> that thing was so good looking. It's it's amazing. I I had the same feeling at first when I saw the the new one. I thought well the, the proportions. But wow, is it grown on me? And I, I think the new one is just absolutely oh, out just, of sight. It's a cool car. Don't get me wrong. I just, I think I like the last one. No, no, you, yeah, you know. My only problem is the steering wheel. I have a big problem with steering wheels where it needs to fit the car right, and that one just looks so busy and so just convoluted that. You're not going to be playing with 10 million like buttons and does knobs it look like and everything while you're going 180 miles an hour around a turn. Does that look like a production wheel at this point, or does that look like a SEMA wheel? Um, no, we saw SEMA wheels already. Don't worry. Well, no, <laughs> they're around. Knowing, knowing Ford and where their performance stuff is going right now, I have a feeling that a lot of it will carry over into the production car. That said, I would rather it not. Yeah. There's it. It looks like a more convoluted F1 like wheel, oh. and that's already convoluted. Well, yeah. that's kind of the problem mm-hmm. with the Ferrari wheels is they put too much shit on the wheel. Right. But and, and uh, well, kinda, we'll we'll see how you know most of these cars will be uh, you know probably driven in the freeways of LA. <laughs> so yeah, we'll you'll see a few of them. We'll see what they won't happens. be playing with the infinitely controllable <laughs> exactly. traction control, <laughs> or at the very least, we'll see you know we'll see them sitting at. Uh, Cars and coffee, or something. Yes, and, you know, yes. Exactly. You know, they'll either be in Irvine or in, or, you know, up in, uh, up, you know, up by the canyons. So true. It, it's probably uh, more cars and coffee than the canyons. Unfortunately, yeah. it's probably going to be that way. Yeah, which is right. bad. No, it'll be in someone's garage. Uh, yeah, well, right. that, that two cars That'll and coffee and back. That's yeah. it. Uh, Under a tarp, collecting dust. But the amazing thing is, is that that coming out, you know, it's going to be markedly more expensive than the, the GT that we got. So, you know, what was that? Two thousand five. It started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was 05, and that was what about 150 grand then? Yes, yeah, and they were and they were actually less on MSRP because they were not selling, and now they were like 10,000 on our MSRP because they're like, hey, you know, we're not selling these cars, we're not selling these cars. Now look at a 430 or an 04 Gallardo compared to the GTs now. Yeah, it's oh, just crazy. So a friend of mine has business. He's I think he's done about 200 Ford GTs. Uh, and and uh, people spend a lot of money. He's done superchargers, carbon fiber, wings, yep. wheels, brakes. I mean, he's done everything. And that's when the cars were worth about 150 Well, now they're doubled their value. Yeah. So he has the same customers coming back, and they're taking everything <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they were smart enough to keep their original parts. Yeah. They were. You, people, if you modify a car, keep every single stock part you have. Do not throw it away. Do not sell them. Well, Keep the, the parts. Well, the one silver one that just went up at auction like a couple months ago was up at like five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars. I think that that's yeah, insane. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. It's not it so is. Good. It's that's just. I yeah. think the one acceptable one on that is when people modify the supercharger on those. I think that's a pretty well accepted mod to like keep on even if you're going to resell it because everybody does that they're going to do that on that car because it was just overbuilt i drove one not long ago with 700 horsepower yeah and oh my gosh what a car i mean the transmission has worked so well and the, just a just a way that as a driver just a way though everything is laid out the steering wheel the, the pedals shifter it's just ergonomically i think exceptional yeah it's it's a cool car it is uh you know it's and we keep saying it's kind of a played out term, but the last of a generation. We're seeing a lot of lasts, I think, right now of the manual transmissions coming to the end of its days and the normally aspirated motors coming to the end of its days. So it's just like, you know, people ask me, oh, are you going to supercharge your vet? And I'm like, no, I sold my supercharges that I had before, you know, because 
everything that I get from now on is probably going to be turbocharged. So I want that one free breathing motor that I'll always have to kind of remember what it was, you know. Well, it, you know, it's true, but we're seeing a, a real kind of resurgence or maybe even call this a backlash in the fact that we're seeing people in their tech people who, let's say, work in Culver City or where you yeah. are all around Southern California. Uh, you know, they drive cars that have uh, electric steering, throttle by wire, steering by wire, you know, driving everything by wire, mm-hmm. and all those computers in the cars. So we have a couple of customers that have one uh, especially has a 65 Chevelle. She bought her one-owner car, mm-hmm. and we did all the suspension. She's, she's going to do engine. She's doing everything. And the reason is is that she wants a manual car. She drives all these cre- incredible cars. She's very successful at what she does. And she goes, I just want one car in my garage that I turn on. I can smell it. I can feel it. And, and I think that there's going to be, for, for younger enthusiasts, I think there's going to be a, a yeah. real resurgence of, of old classics that handle like, well, that handle like new cars. That's where we come in. Yeah. But just drive well. You know, put an LS engine in it, put good air conditioning, cool seats, make it, because it's a, as she said, it's really a palette of whatever your imagination is. Mm-hmm. And you, can, you can't really get that from a new car. So you have a, you have a cool new car to drive during the week, and then you have this car that, you know, gets 10 miles per gallon. But if you only drive it 100 miles of... Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I a mean, month yeah, or whatever, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. Frankly, I'm guilty as part of that industry. I mean, the automotive <laughs> thing is the, side, is the side gig for me, and I'm very much in that world. And, yeah, there are a lot of us. I mean, there are a lot of engineers. We do like stuff like the McLarens. I mean, McLarens amongst the web, you know, the web world, this is what we worship because we're like, this is the best engineering out there right now. I mean, arguably better than pretty much everybody. I mean, even the Ferrari, the Porsche stuff. Oh, you look at the McLaren. Absolutely. And you look at absolutely. it and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> the 650S when I had it was just absolutely astonishing. It was just, it's not only just fast in a, a, a just pure visceral type of way, but it steers just like, it, it's almost telepathic where you're just like, oh, I'm going to just turn it slightly and then I'm over three lanes. Yes. It, yes. Was, but, it was brilliant. You know, to what you're saying is we worship those things, but at the same time, I love a car that's still got manual steering, and, like, I saw a 944 with a motor swap in it the other day, and I'm like, that's kind of fun looking, you know, or an yeah. Atom. I love the aerial yeah. Atom, which is uh, about as raw as you're going to get. So. And have you seen what's, well, you, I'm sure you've seen what's happening at uh, in the Porsche world, where it was oh, all, yeah. it was, uh, not only cars are getting insanely valuable, but it was always, okay, if I have an uh, 70s 911 or, or, or earlier, Restore it to stock. I mean, restore, restore the mm-hmm. paint code, the interior, everything was stock. But now, man, the hot rod scene has hit Porsche oh. like crazy. Yeah. And it's, a, you know, a new engine and an old car. Everything is flared fenders and yeah. looks like a, everything yeah. looks like well, an RS. Had, and I mean, and, we had our good friend uh, Tim Barisha from BBI Autosport on yesterday morning. I'm sure you've probably met Tim before. Yes. And they built some of those crazy cars. I mean, um, you know, Joey that used to be with, with BBI was his partner in BBI for years and years. Um, you know, Joey had a, I think it was a 72 or like a 74 911, completely stripped out. It was their 3.6 liter motor. No no sound deadening inside the whatsoever. The red one? Uh, I can't remember orange? if it was red or green. Whatever. I I but like, I, either way, it was nuts. It was 1,900 pounds and made like 360 horsepower. It was, it, was, it, was, it was raw. It was just what you're saying. It was There were no amenities to it. And then you have guys like Sinnott and Singer that are going the opposite end of it, but are still hot rodding. But it's cool because if you kind of aspire to a Singer with a with a new engine, and the I mean the workmanship of Singer is just out of sight. Singer and yeah, Icon just are just stand there and just drool over. I mean, you're like, you oh do the way the carbon fiber or the whatever interior you pick or the leather. I mean, it's just 
mind blowing. But the but the fact that that that's let's say an iconic car or that's or that's a car that you aspire to, then you can take your 911 and your other whatever you don't have a singer make one that's somewhat like it. So yeah. what it, what is great is now the the barriers have been removed where. You know, putting an LS in a Chevelle, that's been, and in a Camaro, that's been pretty normal. Yeah. But now to see people with on the other side with Porsche, and I, I bet you'll see BMW too starting to get. Oh no, that's already uh, happened. Yeah. E30s and 2002s, 2002s have gone up, shot up in price. E30 M3s are astronomically expensive for what they are. And I, w- I would think, you know, E46 is kind of the Camaro of BMWs, and I would think that you'll see more and more of those mm-hmm. wide body and, kits and, or, oh, or yeah. whatever. As and, good as the new BMWs are, I mean. There's just, they've gotten too big. They're too big. You know, and that's like, The 3 you know, Series is huge. Yeah, the 3 Series is what the 5 Series used to be. I mean, and, and even then, like, the 2 Series is still bigger than the 1 Series. Like, the 1 Series M that Dynan put together was probably one of my favorite cars I've driven in the last five years. Yeah, the car was so excellent. I really like the size of the 2 Series because yeah. it reminds me yeah. of an you know earlier M3. Yeah. And uh, we, at SEMA this year, we're introducing sway bars for 2, 3, and 4 Series. And okay. uh, because it, you know, yeah, you guys will move a few of those. And uh, so, uh, because all those cars, you know, the manufacturers only uh, design them to 50th percentile driver, non-adjustable. So yeah. we make up to a four-position adjustable sway bar for front and rear of those cars. And so you can get the handling balance just right. If you're using different tires, mm-hmm. wider tires in the rear, you do a wide-body kit, or if just if you do a track day and you just want to dial understeer out of it or, or make the car the way you would like to drive, rotate a little how more. Are the, uh, how That's are the, what we do. How are the stock BMW N-Links? Are they are they just so-so, or are they are they crappy enough where you can justify and go, we can do this much better? Well, no, it, actually, their N-Links have gotten so much better in all yeah. of these cars. The new C7 Corvette sway bars we're debating, debuting here, uh, we use factory N-Links. BMW, we use factory N-Links yeah. just because of the, the, the sound. Because the, if, there's, if you use a rod and N-Link, and... And uh, use the right end end link, and, and which are the best? Because with an adjustable sway bar, and then you can adjust the length at the end link, so you can optimize that that end link link. But it does transmit noise, and and you know the heim joint rattles yeah. a little bit. So we uh, we always suggest for person start starts with stock end links, and we test that to make sure it works. And uh, if you do need something really track, then you go. Well, for it was like when I, I so I've got my C6, and then I've got your bars on it. And like within three weeks of putting the bars on it, popped all the end links. And those end links are garbage though. Everybody always breaks them on the C7. So it's good to hear that they're better on the C7. But yeah, I went with you know Teflon coated ones. I don't think you guys had them on the market at that time. So you know I, I used another vendor. Yeah, no, we have them now. Yeah, it was uh, the Teflon end links are freaking great though. I mean, yeah. no complaints about those on any car. Good. And I've, I've got a pair apparently coming for Fiesta too. Yes. So. Oh, good. Have you guys actually? I'm not blowing up your spot. On, have you guys announced those yet already? Or no, we've we've announced them. Okay. Good. Yes. Okay. Ooh. Good. And uh, and we want everything from Fiesta to Focus to BMW, uh, Golf. We're doing Mark Seven. You just named the three cars. You guys, so, right. so you got we we, we all, all three Fiesta, Golf, Focus and Focus. And Focus. We're all here. I've got a, a Mark Seven Golf R. Ah, oh, cool car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right now it's getting sway bars and uh, chassis bracing. Uh, from Pierce Motorsports. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a name you're going to start hearing a lot because they're guys that we've been working with out of, out of Torrance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, Little Shop, Jim Pierce, pro racer for years and years and years, and uh, they're doing some incredible chassis bracing work down there. They started out with the Veloster market and some of the Volvo stuff, and now they're branching into Ford stuff and VW. They're 
they're getting to the point where it's nice to see their little shop that's growing. They're like, we almost need, don't need to take project cars anymore. They're like, we're getting bigger. And I'm like, cool, just keep doing it. Well, it is great to see that side of the market go because uh, I was talking to somebody else the other day and about the traditional SEMA market. You know, what you see here at SEMA, you see a lot of, of muscle cars. You see a lot of, lot of Detroit iron. You see mm-hmm. trucks. But then there's a, there's a completely different market, I believe, that are BMW, Audi, Volkswagen, that um, are not even represented here, but they're equally yeah. as enthusiastic as owners. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And and they make their shops and make great frankly, parts. Let's be honest; they usually have a little more money to throw at things. Too. Yes, yes. Know. And um, so uh, anyway, we we like any everything that handles with like drivers that really want to drive, and yeah. and that's really the the really the, the what influences us on all of our products. So let me ask you this: it's with the change in the pony car world to actually building things that handle, um, you know, is, is this something that you saw that you thought was eventually going to come, or is this like a revelation that you're like, oh my God, they finally got it? Chris, you wouldn't believe it. When when uh, I told you I started my whole career at Dick Goldstrands after, after yep. racing cars for a number of years, and uh, so we used to do track days, and, and we'd have a Corvettes and, and Camaros out when I first, well not just Corvettes and then we'd fill it up with BMWs and we'd rent Button Willow when I first started my company and I always thought if we could just get some muscle cars out there it would be cool, you know we get a Chevelle, get a Camaro, get Mustang or whatever, but it really wasn't until the LS motors happened that the, the because those motors are so dependable, they're all aluminum, they're cool, well, well I mean you drop 200 pounds off a comparable 350 you know? exactly, they're so, small, they're yeah. So so when it was the old generation small block, I mean, great motors, no doubt. But if you really wanted a good one, you'd have to have an engine built or build it. It'd be very expensive mm-hmm. and not as reliable or not as efficient as, as an LS. Back then it was LS1 and now LS3. Um, so you can put those engines in anything. And you could pound around a track all day long and have a blast. And that's really what's... You know, if, if the if there's power to the car, if there's reliable power, then man, people will buy it, they'll modify it, and they'll go for it. So I've had this weird pipe dream over like the last couple of weeks of I want to see somebody lay an LS motor flat as a horizontally opposed aim. In theory, it should work because it's still not going to be very wide because it's an LS. I mean, yes, it'll be wider than a standard LS, but lay it flat into an opposed boxer eight. It's been a long time since somebody See, built He a must be a eight. Subaru guy. Is that? No, I'm no. not. I'm not. But I like center of gravity very low. Yeah. So that's the thing. Is that, and other than block design, I mean, everything else would bolt on. You just need to redesign that core part of it. Remember the Ferrari Formula One engines of the, I'd have to really go back and look at them, but V12s, and they had them flat, yep. pretty much mm-hmm. flat. And they, they even had ones that had the exhaust that came out the top. And, yep. and uh, so. BRM actually had an H16. It was you know, horizontally opposed, and it was, like, full, like, V16 type. Oh, motor. those things sound so good, I too. love it. And Twin the, the exhaust looks like spaghetti on yeah. top. Mm-hmm. Twin yeah. supercharged, and it made a noise that just gives you shivers. Yeah. I think those supercharged yeah. so were, like, good. 89 pounds of boost. It's something just <laughs> insane. Oh, it was a, it was a terrible <laughs> motor. It, it had, like, the worst racing history yeah. known to mankind. And then they blew up after, like, four races. But sound. But oh, the sound. Yeah. I remember 70s Formula One cars. Which I remember going to Long Beach Grand Prix uh, back when I was in high school, and I mean the sound was just out of this world. 
Okay, so going on that topic, have you been to the new Formula Ones? Have you uh, have you been to the where it's the V6 era, the Turbo uh, Six? I have not. The last Formula One race I went was when they had the proper engines, and non-turbo, non-V6, you know, tens and twelves, and and I love. I mean, just this shriek of eighteen or twenty thousand RPM. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it just gets you. It's like drag racing. You know, that, that thunder in the drag you racing will get you. You said proper, and, and you, you admitted turbo on that. But I go back to the early 80s four-cylinder turbo cars in F1. Those were maybe the nuttiest cars that have ever been in F1. Because uh, they were all 1,200, 1,600 horsepower cars. No, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. And the, those, remember those th- cars? They'd, they'd hit boost and, and they'd just explode. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was not, it didn't have an engine sound. It was just like lots of cylinders and explosions going on. I mean, it, they were all, if I remember correctly, they're two liter, right? They were limited to two liter, and they were like, you can either do, you had four liters of normally aspirated displacement, or you had two liters with a turbo. I think it might have even been that was some be- of those smaller. S- that yeah. was before, I think. That was Well, this was early 80s. Very early, yeah. like eighty one, okay. eighty three, and then they went. No, these cars are too fast now because we yeah. didn't have aero back then, or or carbon cells, or anything. Right, so, right. I mean, now, the un- I mean, we have unfortunate things happen. You know, like unfortunately, I mean, not F one, but with Justin no. a little while ago, well, Formula One did too. I mean, you had yeah, that's true. Bianchi's crash, yeah. And, and, no. But I mean, overall, yeah. I mean, if they just close that cockpit, the, the cars are almost indestructible. Otherwise, I mean, the only thing that's been it's been killing these guys are the the head trauma. Yeah. Yes. If they had a, if they had a canopy, I think they'd be pretty damn safe. Okay, so so take an informal poll. What do you think of the V6 Indy cars and V6 Formula One? They suck. Ter- <laughs> I've right. been to both races. They suck. <laughs> I, I, Not so exciting. The first year I started doing this was the last year of the V8s uh, for Formula One, and I went home deaf and happy. Yeah. Uh, and then the next year uh, we went back and saw the first era of the turbo sixes and i held a half hour conversation during qualifying 40 feet from the track and i was just like this is ridiculous i should not be able to hear myself think let alone have you a know, conversation i'll tell you I, I love hearing that because as a uh, a racer and and when i grew up i mean cars there weren't there weren't mufflers everything was noisy loud smoky and it, that was such a part of the event. Yeah. And and you read so often the Formula One with the KERS, and now what's the acronym now? Uh, the DRS. Yeah. And DRS. All yeah. But, but it's, it, you know, recycle the exhaust and, and, and all of that. And it's, it's so technical. But I, I, I think that even if you're in your 20s or, or teens and you want to go to a race, I think you want to hear things. You do. I think you want to smell it and be be it. But I, I just think that, you know, we yeah, we went to a race at uh, Fontana, IndyCar race, and I sat in the stands, and I mean the cars were going around, but it was not—it wasn't a sensory overload. You no, know, that's you what, and when people in Formula One say, "Oh no, no, we need we need power units. We don't need engines, and we need no, we want noise. If you, if you want power units, go to Formula E. <laughs> yes. Go to something else. Go to Miatas. I don't care. I want noise. I mean, even like the Le Mans cars, like they have hybrid V8s that sound fantastic. The Toyota, the TSO40. That sounds amazing. You hear it come out of the pit lane in electric, and it's going, and then you hear the V8 kick in, and it's, yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, that's what that a like that's a what a race car is supposed to sound yeah. like. You know, or the even thing is, is that the V6 in almost any configuration, unless it's a very narrow angle, like like a VR6 motor, or it's a, or unless it's horizontally opposed, like a Porsche motor, six-cylinder motors just generally have weird characteristics if they're not in line. Yeah. You know, they just 
it's hard to get, get that them in hand balance with the straight well, what's, six. Yeah. Yes. What's really annoying is that you go to the GRC cars, they're running you know two liter turbos, and they sound fantastic. Yep. They are loud. You cannot hear yourself think with those cars. But somehow Formula One can't do this. I don't understand that at all. The, the big like, enthusiast thing is whenever I've gone out, noise. when I've gone to Fontana to go watch NHRA, and I'm seeing top fuel and funny car, and you're, I got double hearing protection in. I'm yeah. like, all right, I'm good. Doesn't matter. It goes by. The sound goes in your nose. It's it shakes <laughs> your it shakes yeah. your soul. Yeah. That and that like. It, seriously, I remember I took a, it was Antron Brown and Tony Schumacher a couple of years back when the, on the final race, and I was filming it. And then as soon, and doesn't doesn't matter. As soon as I was filming it, you see the camera shake because it scares the shit out of you every single time they go off. It's, I love I love drag racing like that. There's it's also so a fun. perverse excitement though in a car that's stupid fast and is dead silent. Like if you get in a P85D Tesla, the speed at which that accelerates with zero noise, you're like. This is unnatural. It's just bizarre. Well, now I have to ask the question, what do you guys think of Formula E? I have no problem with it. I mean, I think it's a cool series. It's it's a, it's, it's cool. different. It's but that should be that should be the economical series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Formula 1 should be technical know-how, noise, pageantry, just and the best drivers there. It's lost it's the lost allure. It. It's yeah. lost the allure. Formula it's, 1 is just not what it used to be. It's not so glamorous because of the thing is, 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 and I hate to sit there and call it because we, we ever want everything to be safe. We want all our drivers to come back safe. But the thing is, is no, it's the danger is no longer really there. They're not pushing. They're not pushing it hard, and the cars are almost driving themselves. So it's, it's a technical expertise. It's not a driver versus driver. So there are other series that are more affixed to that, like V8 supercars. Those are very basic cars. They're not expensive. You got Australian V8 supercars. It's nothing crazy, but yeah. they are. That is some. Some stuff I've seen from Bathurst finishes is some of the most insane driving. And two that's wheels. what I love about it. It's always Drivers. two wheels. You've got to look at that. Okay, so you guys being one of the big names in suspension. I mean, there's no getting around it. There's very few brands that are as well-known as you guys. You look at the V8 Supercar Series and you go, what the hell are they doing? Because those guys are not just hitting the curves. They're driving over them like they're in a freaking Jeep. What do you do to set a car up to be able to handle that and then still race for an hour and a half straight? Well, I mean, you can see those cars. They just have to be bulletproof. The the strength of the suspension, they run a lot of camber, which is pretty wild. And they're, yeah. they're uh, I mean, they're probably, what, negative four? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And uh, But, no, you just have to make them super strong because you're right. You always see an Australian touring car that, that's on two wheels and... Uh, but that I think that is some of the best racing there is. That it's, and DTM, it's, it's yep. you know. DTM. It's close. It's loud. It's yeah. it's you know they're not afraid to, to bang each other and you know make some contact and rub and and uh, and then uh, you know you go back to GT racing. Yeah. You know like GT3 and yeah. and uh, you know I think that that's that's also some of the best racing because they're they're sports cars that people recognize, but in in. Uh, they're high tech enough, but they still sound great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the the, the interesting thing with the GT, you have so much variety in terms of engines. It's not homogenous. You have all these different chassis, and like you said, they're built. Off, I mean, they start off with production cars. The funny thing I find now, though, is that a lot of those cars are slower than the factory cars that you can go and buy because they've got the restrictions on them. Yeah. Like I think it's the the C7R is like 500 or. 550 horsepower there, and then it's 650 on the turbo four. Granted, 
the ones at the racetrack aren't overheating and killing the supercharger every every review, but it's that's a whole other. Thing. Well, if you look at the not very far away here is the Optima booth, and it has all the Optima Challenge cars. Yeah. Yep. And I would say most of those cars have more horsepower than most race cars out there right mm-hmm. now. You know, seven, eight hundred horsepower in a Camaro is pretty normal now. Which is insane. Did you think you'd see this? I didn't think I'd see this at this point. I mean, we went from when I was in college and the C5 was, or the C6 was like in the magazines of this is what's coming. And I was like, and you'd be like 400 horsepower, holy shit. And now 400 horsepower is nothing anymore. It's a Mustang GT. It's a Camaro. It's nothing special anymore. I have 300 in a Golf. Yeah. Yeah. And you, even now you say 500, and 500 is kind of like, okay, yawn, that's well, kind you, of that's the a, entry horsepower. Yeah. yeah, that's the funny thing is, though, is that as much as we yawn, the four of us all sit here going, when you're in a 500 horsepower car, you can go really fast. Really, Because yes. we're not internet racers. We've actually done this stuff. And that 500 horsepower is not a number you want to fuck around with. No. I took I took the Scat Pack cha- uh, Charger to El Mirage just to see how fast that could go, and that's 485 or something like yeah. that. I got it up to 173. <laughs> it's just like, oh, how did that feel at that speed? Uh, a little floaty. Okay, that was yeah, but not bad. Not as bad as you think. Well, it was. Most more so, it's it's surface because you got to yeah. not have that that death grip on the wheel. You got to be very very light on the wheel at, at El Mirage because it's just it's all about small finesse. Because yeah. it gets yeah. kind of it's interesting on a dry lake bed yeah. going fast. Oh, yeah. it's really interesting. Like being on ball bearings. Oh. Yeah. Now, how about the Hellcat? What do you guys think? I mean, 707 horsepower. Oh, it's uh, awesome. I, li- I love it. I love Personally, uh, so I, do I. It. I dig it. It's cool. Noise and tire destruction is always fun. I, w- I don't know. I, I prefer going fast in corners rather than just straight lines. But the thing is, that car is not all about that. It's it, it's kind the, of it, it is. is keeping that formula. It can go around a corner. It can go around a corner plenty sideways if you want it to. Yeah, sideways. And, and, it, and it does have a it, – it is just – brash and ballsy and scary and fun and it's just everything that I want out of a car 60 grand. So given given the handling characters of, of like the Hellcat do you guys have something you can offer that kind of can erase some of that push and can kind of bring it back in line like I look at the CTS-V the new one and I go same power to weight ratio as the Hellcat right but and it's it's a little bit more expensive not much more expensive Twenty what? grand more expensive, yeah. Is twenty, thirty thousand dollars more expensive. 20? I we, thought it was only like ten. We, we tested, um, we tested one at Willow. It was ninety-five thousand. I thought it was ten. No, I was it? it was ten grand. Ninety-eight. Oh, okay. Shit. Yeah, Never mind. Well, anyway, <laughs> oh, man, no, we make money. a handling package for the Hellcat. You do. And oh. uh, we had it up at Streets of Willow a few months ago. Well, probably six months ago now. And oh my gosh, what a car! It doesn't a car that weighs over four thousand pounds, like forty-three or forty-four hundred yeah. pounds. That there's so much power, it makes it feel like a small car because really? it accelerates like crazy. Oh, yeah. as you yeah, notice, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it if it was if it had four or five hundred horsepower, it'd feel a lot bigger because you wouldn't yeah. gain speed so quickly. Yeah. Well, I think and the best comparison is you look at like one of the GT500s that were out just a few years ago, and even with five or six hundred horsepower in those, you were like, oh, this should not have this much power. This chassis is not ready for. That's it. a scary car to drive fast. The GT500, the 13, yeah. 14 GT500. I had yeah, it was. It was Oh, okay. It's it's a little bit much sometimes. It can it can. It feels like that's that's going to be a wild horse that's going to buck you off. That car is. I mean, the Hel- Hellcat was somewhat similar around streets of yep. Willow. You know, all you want to do is drift everywhere. Oh yeah. And I mean, a tire smoking 
just exercise. Just, it is yeah. just tire destruction. There. Tire destruction. If your heart races, you you just go, wow, this is absolutely, this is, again, I said sensor overload, but it's the coolest darn thing. Okay, so what is your opinion of the last generation Z28? Now, that that car, I'm eager to hear what you say about it. Because I, when I drove it, I was just blown away that it's an, actually a Camaro. It's like, how? How is this a Camaro? I was going to say that it is so refined, and it does things you'd never think a Camaro would do. Uh, no, I mean, the, with the, the carbon brakes and, and all the refinements, it's, they can, you can see they've been to Nürburgring. They've been everywhere, and yeah. they put so much technology into that car. Uh, it's awesome. We, we had one at uh, MSD has one, and we had one at our uh, local autocross uh, about a month ago. And, and uh, the guy driving it said, he said, I'm not really a good driver, but he's, he's going almost as fast as the fastest guys. And he goes, I just, I just, I'm letting this car do the work. Yeah. I, I've, and I've, I'm not trying to hustle the corners. I'm letting go around. I'm using the brakes efficiently. It was beautiful to see. So on a car like that, or like, for example, like a GT3 or GT3 RS that are so well sorted from the factory, where do you guys come in on those things? Do you, are there certain cars you look at and go, it's just, this is about as good as this is going to get on this chassis? Or do you still pull something like that apart and go, we think we can get 10% more out of it? You know, there's always something to be gained. Yeah. And, uh, but it is. The new cars are getting harder because the ride quality is so much better. The shocks are better. Uh, just the dynamic ride quality or the, the, the grip is better. But, but a car company, you know, they also have to sell it for a price. Mm-hmm. And so we in the aftermarket, you know, we can look in uh, no different than what Magnaflow does here or, or anybody. You know, you look and say, okay, how can I make that one part better? And you can always you can always make it more adjustable. You can, and that's one thing what we can do. Where maybe we're not going to make the car handle have uh, better numbers like a GT3 RS mm-hmm. or something like that. But we can make it so it's adjustable, and we don't make a part for that. But right. any of these cars, a, a supercar, you can always make it a little bit better or give the driver a little more adjustment. Yeah, and that uh, that's one point that was brought up. Like it keeps coming up in the uh, with the other Fiesta ST guys, which has turned into a popular little platform. There is no adjustment of the rear. There's absolutely no rear camber adjustment whatsoever because, I mean, that's just, it's a very, you've, you've seen it. It's just yes. a simple swing arm system. I mean, it's torsion bar, nothing special. But that's become a major point of contention because you can get some decent camber out of the front, nothing in the rear. Right. right. At, at best, you're zero. Exactly. But that's what the aftermarket's all about, figuring out whether it's electronics or, or, or engine parts or whatever it is, making whatever that platform is just a little bit better. New cars incrementally better. Old cars dramatically better. Yeah. So, okay. What else, So you said, so you've got some focus parts. You've got all, all this other stuff. What else are you guys unveiling this week? Oh, I've got to tell you the story. So about five years ago, Jay Leno was building this, his seven-liter Galaxy. And it's, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's the, it's the green car. It's the car yeah. that his, the, uh, his dad, he twisted his arm, his dad's arm, to go to the, to the dealer, and they bought this car. And Jay has a great story about it. He checked all the boxes, you know, muffler to lead and, and, and big engine. And, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. You know, no, Imagine that. Would you ever have let your kid go in and pick your option <laughs> exactly. packages? So, uh, and then, and then uh, I think his father probably just, you know, when, when he delivered, he was probably just, oh, my God, what have I done? But anyway, so, so a tribute to, to that, Jay built this car. And uh, he had Roush build a beautiful seven liter with with injection stacks, fuel injection stacks. I mean, it's, it's just a tremendous car, and uh, but it needed a handle. 
And uh, so we built complete suspension for it. So we really looked at what did the front suspension need, what because we always look from the steering wheel to the tires. How do you make that that contact patch of the tire really work the best it can be? And how do you get the driver so the experience is that you can feel the turn in, you can feel what the car is doing, feel weight transfer and so on. So and handling balance. So we we estimated what the car need, we built the products, we actually went up to, to Jay's tried them and then redid them there had them powder coated and finally put them on and he he loves it so he, he, he has uh, and he's done some great pr about the car and uh, well, yeah weren't you you were on a video with uh bernard poking around at the bottom of it at one point weren't you yes yeah. yes okay absolutely yeah. and then uh, and then now years later we have so much request for it and uh so before we get it, got too much hate mail, we said, okay, we're bringing these parts out. So we have a, a full package for 6566 Galaxy. We've got a, we've awesome. got a, it's unfortunate because uh, my usual co-host, Jeff Blocker of Universe. Sure. You've met Jeff, Yeah, right? absolutely. So it's unfortunate that he's not here right now because he's got his, he's got his Mercedes wagon project, which, uh, what is it? A w- W123? Yeah, 123. Yeah. That he's putting a new Hemi in. Oh, cool. And they're trying to sort out the suspension on it right there. It's suspension wild and steering. It, it's and the everything wild west on that, on yeah. that the car. The steering is the problem, yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. It, you could do a, do a turning radius, but it's like 60 feet or something. It's like something insane how long that turning but radius is going to be right see, now. And that's, a, that's another point, too, is I think that, that yeah, you can always do the, the normal Camaro and Mustang and everything else. I'll tell you about the Mustang parts in a moment. But these, everybody's now looking for different cars, whether it's I, – I talked to a guy last night has a Mustang 2, and he's going to put a new Coyote in it and do all of this. In a Mustang 2, a, a car that everybody wants to just go, <laughs> exactly. no, that didn't exist. Exactly. Yeah, we don't know what you know, it's, I think there. it's a brown Mach 1 or something. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, we also have uh, 64 to 70 Mustang suspension. And we really believe in that platform. It's light. It's, it, you can put a Coyote, you can put all kinds of parts mm-hmm. on in it. And uh, so we have complete bolt-on suspension, upper and lower, uh, front arms, uh, subframe connectors. We do all of our shocks by Fox. Mm-hmm. So we've got great shocks, aluminum body. I've got, um, Fox, I've got so- Fox stuff on all my mountain bikes. Oh, they, it, they built fantastic parts. And what's so cool is they're side-by-side, snowmobile, mountain bike, and all that technology yeah. goes through their whole product line. So everything gets better. Yeah. So we all of our muscle car parts, all of our applications have Fox shocks. I mean, literally, the, the shocks that are on, the rear shock on my mountain bike looks like one of their Baja shocks. So it just shrunk down, like, 16th size. It's got the same reservoir. It's literally almost the same exact design that you see on some of the bro trucks sitting out front here, you know. <laughs> but it's 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 the Fox stuff. It's great. It is cool. No, we worked with Fox when we first did this. We rented a, a, a shaker rig in Virginia at Silva Motion, and so it's a, an eight-post shaker rig. Uh, we didn't tie the car down like they do in NASCAR, but uh, uh, it was violent enough. And what's amazing, when you see, you sit in a car that's in a shaker rig, it feels actually, because it has a, the telemetry, or it has the mm-hmm. simulation of the road. So it feels just like you're on a road. And uh, so we put we put weight on both sides so the car, uh, we could see the, how the shocks work and watch the, the compression and rebound and watch what the, the body does. But then, then we take the weight out and sit in it, and you swear you're on a road. Yeah. And then we t- we turn. I said, well, "What what does it feel like if you did a more race simulation?" He he started making this car move, and it's scary to see how the crosswember moves, the the transmission, engine, mm-hmm. everything under there is moving. And you're going, "Wait a second, 
<laughs> and, uh, you guys, I'm, I'm got, glad I don't see that all the time. Yeah. And now with the advent of like, GoPros and stuff like that, you guys can probably just go snap cameras on the bottom of the chassis, go drive around a little bit and see, okay, this is looking a little hinky. we got to spend some time in R&D on this. We, we definitely do yeah. that. But, uh, no, tuning the shocks with Fox, so it's Hotchkiss tuned by Fox were great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just the opportunity to be in this uh, testing atmosphere, and that's what we do all the time. We're, te- we're track testing with a Mustang suspension we're bringing out. It's been up at Willow a lot. We do tons of autocross. I work with three guys in San Diego with a 265 and a 69 Mustang who autocross and SCCA cam too. So we make sure all our parts work well for racing, but they're also really they're best for the street. So on the subject of Mustangs, uh, Matt that I, I did smoke a tire with just did his Fox body conversion to IRS. And the Fox body platform, frankly, is starting to look, you know, for the guys, you know, 40 and younger are starting to look like the new 65. You know, they're popping up everywhere. They're inexpensive. The parts are plentiful. The thing is, is everybody's having to go and pull IRS cradles off of the Terminator Terminator Mustangs, where they only built them like that for, what, was it two years or three years? Two years. Oh, three or four. Is that potentially a market that you might as get into? Because those donor parts are going to dry up pretty soon, presumably. We're looking at that. You know, we're looking at, um, okay, going to the next level, a more premium product. We're looking at independent. We're looking at full chassis. We have a lot in the works for the future. And with our... our, um, now that we have uh, uh, our office in North Carolina, we have a shop there. We can do tremendous amount of R&D. It's right in Mooresville, so mm-hmm. it's right in stock car country. And uh, the fabrication and the, the opportunities we have to design even better products for SEMA 2016, yeah, we're, we're thinking. It seems, I mean, that one seems like an obvious one for you guys to tackle just because there's so much, ex- you know, guys and guys. We grew up. I mean, I've had live axle cars, but yeah. I much much more appreciate the, the IRS setups. And if I could get an older car with a nice IRS setup that, and not have to pay thirty grand for a custom cantilever setup, you know, yeah, that that's ideal. And, and for like a, for like the Fox Body and SN95 stuff, bolt right up across the platform. As long as it's a good IRS, as long as it really yeah. works, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's so important. Now, the the last thing you mentioned, Fox. I mean, Fox Body Mustangs. They're back. Yes, they are. And, and uh, when I first started my company, the we, we, Fox Body was just nosing over, and the, the new cars were coming out. And the, but to see a resurgent Fox Body, lightweight, you know, like coupe. I mean, you can make you can buy them fairly cheap, yeah. And uh, you make incredible hot rods out of them. I mean, it's you can buy a decent chassis for five, six grand. Oh, it's, yeah. You know, in pretty good shape. Nicer I mean, ones are around, like really, like clean examples, about ten to twelve. You're finding, like, you, you can't, there's not going to be another Fox body around if everybody starts buying $10,000 to $12,000 Fox body. Everywhere. They made a lot of them. And so well, that's good. But when I was in high school, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, when when you were, you know, 18, 19, and everybody was dumping their muscle cars because nobody, you know, they were junk to those people, you know. And then you could pick them up for five or 600 bucks for, you know, a GTO or something like that that was, yeah, admittedly kind of clapped out. But it was the same thing when we were in high school. It's just like, yeah, you could have bought a Fox body that had 100,000 miles on it for, 2500 bucks to 400 4000 yeah. you know? sure sure and it was fine and we i just remember when i started my business in the early 90s even camaros at the time you could buy them really well, cheap well, no, i yeah. mean you know you could I buy a couple a, yeah. of grand Deep desire for an irock <laughs> and uh, uh, you know might not have been in the best condition but that same car now is 20 plus thousand dollars and uh, for not even a driving car, 69 Camaro is just out of sight. Oh, yeah. And yep. then, so we've seen this whole market change where we've seen the, 
uh, where somebody would buy one part at a time and on a car that was not that expensive, didn't ha- cost that much to, to buy. Now we're seeing restorations cost a ton. We're seeing paint. I mean, incredible paint, you know, from Paint's always I mean, 10 grand for, for 15 grand for paint. And uh, so we're seeing certainly more wraps and then mm-hmm. certainly more patina. Hey, do you know, if you don't have holes in it, just, just sand it a little bit and clear it. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. I'm just waiting for the day when yeah. you go in with a plastic coat and that's it. <laughs> that's right. I th- and I honestly think that's coming. I yeah. really do. I mean, you go and, you know, like plastic dip, but a better quality. Yeah, but it, but it, what's great, too, is all these cars have gained in value, so people aren't afraid to spend money on them because they know that it's not just going to be an endless money pit, right. that if, if they do sell it, they'll be possibly get their money back, or at least, you know, it's a decent investment. So that's been great for our market. Yeah, I would imagine it would be. And, and, and the cool thing with you guys is the fact that it's not like it's not like they have a really a really good alternative. That, I mean, they, can't, they could go back and maybe get some reproduction factory parts, but they're going to be kind of crap. And, like, you're not going to go find junkyard parts for these things at this point because they're going to be all rusted out. So even putting your parts, it's not going to be, for a car that's being restored, it's not a negative point against it to have your parts on it. It doesn't have to be factory perfect because factory perfect doesn't exist for some of these cars anymore. It's true. Okay, so there's another customer of ours that uh, is in Minneapolis, and he, he works for Target, and, and his, his, he always wanted the 68 Camaro. And so he, he had it in, it took them two years to restore it. It's Target Red. It's the most beautiful car. And he wrote me this email and then called me and said, I got it back because I, I had to talk him into our suspension. He was one of the guys who said, no, I'm going back original. Why would I? Why would I do something modified? Yeah. I said, because you'll get in it and you'll love it. You'll drive it instead of just, you know, liking it yeah. and drive it to Cars and Coffee Getting and in it planet and then, there. Yeah. And so he, he got it back from the restoration shop with all of our products on it. He said, I've been giving rides to my neighbors for three hours because he was so excited about how well it worked. Uh, that's and that's awesome. the that's the passion that well, we need to have. You get into an old car like that, and you and you, you know, you get into a '65 Mustang, you get into a '69 Camaro or something that with, that with the original suspension, and then you go, "Wow, my daily driver Corolla is better than this." Ex- yes, or a Honda minivan or whatever it is, it'll yeah. drive circles around a restored muscle car. One of, one of my best friends has a '68 Camaro with your suspension on it, and and seeing how he was before, when he first got the car. To the way the suspension is now, he's just like he loves that car so much. He drives the hell out of it. It's a great, great car for him. Well, Jason, I'd love to hear that because again, that's what we're all about: driving. Yes. We don't feel that. Hey, it's you know you can collect these things and look at them, and and if it's a Yanko Camaro or Shelby GT350, that's you know brand, you know it's the, the incredible car. You know those you you kind of keep, but hey, the other cars. Man, they're not too special. Just put a good engine in them, good suspension, and get out there and hammer them. So, old cars, we know that you're bread and butter. But what is here among the newer stuff that you're like, okay, i got to go play with that? Go on, Kim, 2016 Camaro is right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody's, that's a quite, it's created quite a buzz. That The size difference between that car and the last one is kind of staggering. It looks such a tighter package now than it was before. It's just really, I think it's a really attractive car. And, and really they, smart. they say it's 600 pounds lighter. And, 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 well, it's, uh, alpha. it's well, the Alpha platform. That's yeah. so good. You know? and, uh, I'm getting text messages right now from my editor who just drove it uh, across country. And she's like, oh, God, it's 
so good. I know, that's what I'm hearing too, and I can't wait. Uh, get, can't wait to get one. And yeah. we already have sway bars designed for it, and, and uh, we're we're ready to start. Well, you guys, to, that's the nice thing is now you guys get to go in and you get your days where you get, you know, you get of course you get the SEMA measurements and everything from you know, that's shared amongst the group. But you guys get your chassis days too, where they actually hand you a car and go here, here's for a week pre-production, go in, measure everything up. It, it, there's that and the yeah. and this, but SEMA the tech transfer is great because yeah. you know you share CAD files with the manufacturers and SEMA will get the file and then as a SEMA member you can pay a little bit and then you can so we can do the sway bars beforehand and and that's those are things that are great benefits of being a SEMA member. But no, I can't wait to get in one of those cars. So good. It's gonna be. Cool. I can't wait to see what you're gonna do with that. I think it's gonna be rad. We're gonna have fun. Well, yeah, I mean. Motor Trend just did their test, and it's already it's the same zero to sixty as the Z twenty eight. It's the same uh, quarter mile as the Z twenty eight, and it's only four tenths off their skid pad, so their figure eight. It's only four tenths off the Z twenty eight, without with, the P zeros. Without the P zeros, with Eagle F one terrible tires, and it's down what 50, 60 horsepower. That's incredible. That's with a little bit of suspension stuff. tuning. Just think what, when the aftermarket gets a tires. hold of it, how we can make that it's, even better. For less money, blow away the Z28. Well, it, it's going to blow away this, the last generation yeah. Z28, but the new Mustang GT350 is going to have a hell of a time trying to keep up with it. But, but isn't that cool that we're talking about this? Yep. Yeah. You know, we're talking about new pony car wars. Now, and, what's going to happen from Mopar? When's the, when do you think that change the Challenger? We were just talking about this. Um... It seems as though it's not going to be around. Yeah, uh, we don't. Well, Viper is going away, which is sad and terrible. But it was predictable. It's predictable. And Challenger is supposed to go away in a couple of years as well. So they need something. I don't know what, but they need something. They need something. Well, they they need, were supposed it, to do a Dart um, SRT, but then. But then it was supposed to be all-wheel drive. Yeah, it was supposed to be a WRX talk about golf R-Fighter, and then nothing happened. I, it's Marcioni. Marcioni, I, I'm guessing that we're going to see K-Car version 2 within the next two or three years from them. It's just... Oh, that is brutal just to think about. I, I, oh, I, I put God. no trust in that guy running the yes. company. I mean, the stuff, that, the cost-cutting that he puts in, he just wants to drive up stock price and flip it. I mean, obviously... I've got a lot more freedom to say it than you would because you've got to work with them to a certain extent. But it's I'm not seeing positive things from the management there. And uh, I really, really worry about it because they've been doing such cool stuff. Um, that said, you know, it's nice that you guys can go in and work on a suspension level and you don't have to worry about ECU tuning. But that's where they really shoot themselves in the foot is that they don't allow anybody to touch the tuning on their cars. So they let GM and Ford run away with the pony car market and the muscle car market because... Nobody can do anything with the damn Chrysler Motors. Right. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. But if there's if their Challenger goes away and there's nothing to uh, take its place, then hey, there'd be more Mustangs and Camaros sold and yeah. and, and more fun and with those platforms. But, but realistically, you know, Mustang Mustang Camaro are those pretty even split with you guys as far as sales? They are. Okay. Yes. Is and I'm guessing that the Mopar stuff is probably trailing pretty far behind those ones, right? It. it uh, Crazily enough, it was actually ahead of them really? for a while. And, well, and well, the cars came from the factory kind of terrible in the <laughs> suspension department. So I would, Jonathan, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I'll say it. A Challenger almost killed me once, so I will say it. But uh, no, that that is true. And so uh, we we sold a lot of sway bar and spring packages and and shocks for that car. Uh, but uh, 
hey, you know, whatever the manufacturers come out with, whether it's from all the best of the of the Euro cars or imports or uh, or domestics, uh, we're just glad to be here to make suspension. And there's one platform, uh, well, 350 and 370Zs, we still kill it on sway bars for those cars. Oh, yeah. There, I mean, that is such a cool, and now the way the price point is, you know, you can get that great car with great handling, uh, not much money now. Yep. Now, you, so speaking of 350 and 370Z, we start tipping into, you know, uh, the drift market a little bit. And, and, you know, and the Mustangs and the Camaros are, are starting to tip into that a bit, too. Um, do you see anything as far as offering, you know, uh, extended uh, angle on the steering, extended steering angle, you know, the stuff that the drifters want, you know, new, new knuckles and drop knuckles and stuff and drop spindles and all that kind of fun, fun stuff to be able to help out with those crowds? You know, we, we looked at that, and, and well, there are probably some companies that would or, or are doing that. We're a little broader base, so we want somebody that, that really wants to take a, a canyon cruise, uh, go to Cars and Coffee, but take the long way there. And and uh, and go to the race go to the racetrack. So we're really about track days, driving to the track. And so kind of so leave that stuff to the K Sports of the world. And absolutely, stuff like that. yes, yeah. yes. Because there's there's plenty of room in the whole market yeah. for all of us. I just bring it up just because you know we've been recently to like some of the some of the stuff uh, you know with Hoonigan and things like that. And the crowd draws on that are insane. The number of of people that you guys are showing up between the ages of 12 and 35, it's. I think the numbers are bigger than most any of the sport events that I go to. So there's, there's a, I think that's a big presence that maybe some some of the vendors aren't really seeing yet because they're not skewing to that demographic as of it. You get, you know, a lot of these guys here are just looking at it and just going, no, nah, just just Mustangs and Camaros, and it's just like there's a whole other world coming along. Well, there's a lot of technology in drifting, and I was talking, I went to the Irwindale Finals and talking about wheel speed and how much power, you know, sprint car engines that they're based on now because they need that wheel to be going really fast in order to get that control. And, uh, no, I, I sat right in the stands with all the audience, and uh, it was a, it's wild, and the people go crazy for the, the house of, The house drift of drift car. is such a cool place, such man. a cool place. It's, I mean, the low end on those cars is 600 horsepower. Realistically, most of the cars tip between 800 and 900. No, yes. no, no, no. It's much More. higher. Uh, most of the drift cars are between about eight and 900 horsepower for the standard cars. Yeah. But for the top-spec ones like Chris Forsberg or Turk, they're pushing 1,200. Yeah. I mean, Turk runs a 2JZ that's, I think... 11. Uh, Forsberg runs a TRD or the Nissan V8 that's running 12. Uh, Daigo was running something that was 13 at one point. It's insane. That's a lot. You got to talk to, we had uh, Tony Angelo, this, the new host at Hot Rod Garage mm-hmm. on a little while ago. And he was, he basically helped set up the entire scoring system for modern drifting because he's one of the big wigs in that whole scene. Uh, Fascinating guy, and yeah, you guys would swap some interesting stories on what the hell they're doing because they get into some crazy custom fabrication to get those cars set up. You should get a ride. Yeah, I, I got a ride with Tanner and yeah, okay. his 900 horsepower Passat. It's insane. It's just it's really noise insane. and smoke, <laughs> and you're just like he's taking the corner backwards. Yes, yeah. He's just initiating backwards. You're like, oh, okay, I am. Completely. Well, now I mean, out. now for the motorsport enthusiasts, we've got global rallycross, drifting. There's so many other things to, yeah. to see besides the traditional racing as well. Yeah. And so uh, I'm just glad to see that there's more options than NASCAR because, uh, yes, people love it. I find it it bores me to tears. I'm just know? excited. Younger people are still into cars as much as I mean. Everybody's saying, "Oh, it's going to be going away." I like seeing a younger audience is still has the passion and love for cars. I'll steal one of analogy here, though. 
Porsches didn't go away. They just became kind of specialized things where you went to the track or, you know, you took them out on your trails. They're not going to go away. It's just going to be the only people that are going to have them are the ones that really like it, you know. Yeah, but I would tell you, I would challenge anybody who says that, that people wouldn't continue with a passion with cars because I think you're you're just born with it. You know, yeah. you, all you guys, you didn't just one day decide, hey, I like cars. Yeah. It was just, man, I really like cars. Yeah. And so... Uh, I think that as long as we as an industry, if we, with your podcasts, we make it fun. We make it exciting. We do, do we do the alternative types of racing. We make it. We make things cool videos and social media. That's just blown up our side and the suspension side because suspension yeah. is something that's underneath the car. People don't really know what it does, and they were always, you know, should I touch it? And you know, it's the snakes or something under there. We spent the last <laughs> two days preaching the suspension game. I mean, we've oh had yeah. Tim on, we've had yeah. Bodie Stroud, yeah. we had Classic Recreations on. I mean, everybody that's been on us lately is like, you need to do your suspension first. And we, we, you know, that's the first thing we tell everybody. Like, yep, suspension, tires, brakes. Absolutely. And uh, and now with social media to see because you can see the experience of the driver or the passenger, you know, by, by how what the grin is like and how much fun it is. So no, the, I, if we as an industry, we keep keep pushing, keep making it fun, and I think we'll have, you know, maybe we won't have as wide an audience as we've had before, but we'll certainly have a great audience for years to come. Yeah, and even then, I mean, things, even even if it's not gasoline, electric cars can be a lot of fun, too. There's nothing wrong with them. I mean, Hybrids. You have three hybrid hypercars right now that are unbelievably fast and can corner like nothing else. That's or even like the uh, the EV West E36. That's a full electric drivetrain. Yeah. That car is nuts. Yes. That, you've been? Have you been in that thing? I've not been in it, but I've heard about it. That's a, that thing is re- absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Torque at zero RPM is always fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether it's hydrogen cars, electric electric cars, and and but people will always have a hobby car. Here's you know, the beautiful thing, though, is you guys aren't reliant upon combustion, so it doesn't matter which way it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We're lucky on that department. That's for sure. <laughs> So in that, in that in that regard, though, like uh, we were talking about McLaren earlier, and they are the absolute nuttiest in terms of tech these days. And you look at stuff like the P1 and, and the 650. Can you kind of tell? I mean, I I kind of understand what's going on with the fact that they're not running a sway bar. Can you kind of explain that a little bit to the audience? Because that's a little bit of their black magic that doesn't really get explained very well usually. You know, I mean, I not being really intimate with how the how those are designed, yeah. uh, but I can just tell you that there's there's a couple of rules uh, that that hold true for all race cars, street cars. You can go stiff springs and small sway bars, mm-hmm. and or you can go softer springs and larger sway bars, or you can you can put the you can you can do things with the shock absorbers and springs. You can do things with the leverage of the suspension, so maybe you don't need a sway bar. Right. Uh, so there's there are absolutely things, and with with them, um, you know, all the the for McLaren from what they've received from racing, all the information, all the data they have for years and years. And clever, clever people, you know, you name it, the designers, Gordon Murray, and uh, you, know, you can name all of the incredible designers. They'll find a way of doing something different. At the end of the day, the car works the same, but absolutely, it doesn't have something or, or has more of something else. Well, in an absolutely perfect world with zero compromise, which obviously doesn't exist, a suspension setup would have no sway bars, correct? Mm, it d- depends. You know, it would be hard to, you have to control the role of the car with uh, without limiting the suspension travel, right. so so you want to make sure that the car is supple enough so that it go over bumps and work correctly. 
Now, if you had you know, active suspension, you don't need sway bars. Mm -hmm. You know, you just do, you do it through the shocks, or or maybe you can do uh, you know magnetic ride or something even better with the shocks. Well, hell, I mean, F1 and had it for a year. They yeah, absolutely yeah. they did. That McLaren, once again, McLaren, the car that was, it was like it would just hop up and down almost on on the suspension. It was really bizarre to see it just move up and down. It was almost like watching a low rider, but like an F1 car. Where it would just, eh, eh. And uh, and now with with uh, the way that the you, know, you can collect the data on a streetcar, you know, electric sway bars connected to the shock absorbers, connected to the uh, where the body, where the yaw angle is, where the just just everything about the car can be interconnected. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, not only is a connected car and the inside for iPad users and, and everything else, but all suspension can all work together. And I mean, that's a whole wide open field that that we haven't even talked about as well. Is there is there kind of room, I mean, obviously the magnetorheological shocks have become somewhat of a common thing now amongst at least a certain price range of vehicle. Um, is Are we going to see kind of uh, something in the terms of maybe uh, a, mem a memory type metal where you apply a current to it and it changes its tension? Or do you think that's something that we can see in maybe the swear bar world or... You know, as I say, anything is possible. Yeah. What's so cool? Who did you ever think that you'd have? A, you know, fluid that changes viscosity in the shocks and and it's, and everything that we're and and you're right. The P1 McLaren. Did you ever think we'd see that kind of uh, the capability on the street and, and what we're seeing now? I tell you, if you can think it, dream it. It's going to happen. Yeah, this is almost like those uh, videos where, you know, the 50s, the black and white little cartoon flicks, in the future. You know? <laughs> exactly. Just, especially yeah. with the magnetic, you know, the magnetic shocks, it's just like, you can apply electric current, then it changes viscosity. What the hell? And, and all, the, all that stuff will translate down into the aftermarket. Yeah. So, you know, we'll be seeing, uh, you know, more sophisticated products for, for older cars. Uh, as we're doing now. I mean, yeah. KW's got those interesting ones where they, they've got the computer-controlled damping that's aftermarket. That's that's an interesting setup, too. Uh, it, like you said, all this stuff is filtering down, and it's it's, but it, it, it's expensive to develop, obviously. So It's very expensive to develop. And uh, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, as long, hey, as long as we're here talking about it and the SEMA show keeps, keeps just jamming away, We'll do. We'll all do well. So, do you got any more big product unveilings here for this week, or? Oh, that's that is it. Okay. And, and uh, no, we're just uh, we're just pushing these platforms and and uh, and working hard and and really the the uh, kind of succinctly what we do is we just make sure that we have all the parts for somebody who really wants to go out there and just have an absolute blast with their car. Hey, I've got Hotchkiss stuff on both of my cars. So I got no complaints with it. So. Uh, and on that note, we're we're at an hour here. I don't want to hold you up for so much longer. You've got other places to go and hands to shake, and you know more famous people to see. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are pretty good. And uh, no, it is it is it has been my pleasure to talk with you it's guys. Been a blast. So uh, yeah. where can uh, where can our friends find you guys online? You guys, uh, we're we're easy. Just Hotchkiss.net. Okay. H o t c h k i s dot net. We're also on Facebook or on Instagram. So just look for Hotchkiss, and, and you can find us all over. We have videos, event videos, tech videos, how-to videos, and uh, and then call our guys. You know, we're we're available all the time to talk tech, to talk cars, and and uh, hey, because we all we all live this dream like you do too. Oh, definitely, they'll tell you they'll yeah. tell you how to fix those early LX platform cars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, John. Where can everybody find you? 
at Jonathan underscore Klein on Twitter and Instagram and at Boldride and other places. I'm everywhere and on this podcast. And on this podcast from time to time. Jason, as usual, I think they know where they can find you. Well, they can find me. So uh, occasional uh, writings on Hooniverse, obviously. Uh, And on the social media is TerminatorCon, C-O-N-N, on Twitter and Instagram. You can come see all the the nonsense that I put out there. It's its a lot of fun sometimes. And as usual, you can find me at Hayes Data on Twitter. Uh, we've got a bunch more shows we're going to be doing here at CMS, so you're going to hear a few of these over the next few weeks. Uh, and uh, we're very gracious to have, uh, you know, Magnaflow's let us in the booth. They set us up with a nice little rig here, and uh, uh, if you need a suspension setup, or if you need an exhaust setup, go talk to them. If you need a suspension setup, go talk to John. And, uh, and that's it for uh, Hooniverse this week. Uh, and uh, check in next week for another guest from SEMA. I don't know who it is. My brain's fried. Me, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>